Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. How you guys doing? Dude, oh man. Like, if, like you, got, you guys know me, right? Like, you know me? Y'all know me. Y'all know me. I'm not like a hype guy. You know what I mean? I'm not the guy that's like, come over here and make some noise. You know, like, I'm pretty into the substance. Like, I, like, I get hyped naturally, but I'm not like a rah-rah guy. But like, for real though, on a scale of like one to even, I can't right now, dude. Like, camp. Oh, you guys don't even know. You don't even know. All right. First of all, I feel like we should have a moment. Mace, what's up, buddy? I feel like we should have a moment of silence uh, for Harlow real quick. Shh. Respect Harlow. <sighs> Harlow Lodge. That's pretty much it. Um, <laughs> all right, rip. Rip Harlow. We're going to a new, new campsite. Going to Camp Tadmore. And uh, for real, you guys... You guys are in for a treat. That's all I'm going to say. You'll find out. You'll find out. All right. In other news, happy Valentine's Day. Ladies, where are my ladies at? Happy Valentine's Day. Where are my dudes at? All right, dudes. I hope you guys at least bought your moms a Valentine's Day. How many dudes bought their mom a little Valentine's Day chocolate, a little card? I see you. Any other? Wow. All right, yup. Every guy go like this, go like this, shame on you. If you did not buy your mom some chocolate, shame on you. And I brought my wife something nice, all right? Come over here when you got those man dollars. Come over here when you got those man dollars. All right, hey, happy Valentine's Day. Who wants some chocolate? Who needs, who needs a little pick-me-up? Little Rhett Rogers needs some pick-me-up. I see you. you hey, you coming to camp, Bryn? Nice, all right. Hey, I want to um, begin tonight's message a little bit differently, partly because it's Valentine's Day, partly because we're in the series Ethos, partly because I may or may not jam out to this song in the radio, in my car, in the shower, etc. Um, how many of you are familiar with um, this, this poet right here? No, it is not Samantha Horton. It is Demi Lovato. Yep. Yep, it's Demi Lovato. Uh, give, give him a little taste, a little taste, um, Cody, a little taste. Sorry, and all my friends, they know when it's true. I don't know who I am without you. I got it bad, baby, got it bad. Oh, tell me you love Stop, 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 stop. She just, she's not doing it right. I'll do it. <clears throat> she's not doing it right. <clears throat> oh. <clears throat> tell me you love me. By Demi Lovato. Oh no, here we go again. Fighting over what I said. I'm sorry, yeah, I'm sorry. Bad at love, no, I'm not good at this. But I can't say I'm innocent, not hardly, but I'm sorry, pre-chorus. And all my friends, they know, and it's true. I don't know who I am without you. I got it bad. Baby, got it bad, yeah. Oh, tell me you love me. 
I need someone on days like this. I do on days like this. Oh, tell me you love me. I need someone on days like this. I do on days like this. Oh, can you hear my heart say, oh, 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 no, you ain't nobody till you got somebody. No, you ain't nobody till you got somebody. Verse two, and I hope I never see the day that you move on and be happy without me. Yeah, without me. What's my hand without your heart to hold? I don't know what I'm living for if I'm living without you, without you. Everything I need is standing in front of me. I know that we will be all right, all right, yeah, through the ups and downs, baby. I'm gonna stick around. I promise we will be all right, all right. Outro. My heart is like, oh, oh, ooh. Everything I need is standing right in front of me. I know that we will be all right, all right. Yeah. Demi Lovato, ladies and gentlemen. You see, Demi Lovato here in her beautiful, brilliant song. How does he even come up with these lyrics, right? <laughs> They're like geniuses. You see, Demi Lovato is not alone. Demi Lovato is not alone. She is in the long line of many a poet who have sung the song that I call The Longing of Belonging. You see, every single human heart in history has sung this song. Every single individual has sung this song, though, with different lyrics. The lyrics may change, the tune may change, but every human heart is singing the song, The Longing of Belonging. And I happen to agree with her, except in one part. When I, what I hear in those lyrics... What I hear from her heart is the longing for belonging, but notice how she looks for the longing in this man. Okay? Follow me here. She's looking for the longing in a man, and as long as she has his heart to hold with her hand, she's somebody. She belongs. But if they fight, if she's not good, nay, if she's not innocent... Then they go their separate ways. And let me tell you, she ain't nobody unless she has somebody. Now my thought is this. Is it possible to find that belonging? Is it possible to satisfy the longing for belonging in something that is maybe a little bit more stable than the hormones of another human being? Is it possible to find the longing for our belonging without looking to another human being who says, man, I'm done with you, or hey, I'm here, and we're playing this fickle game? Is there a longing that is more stable than Demi's experiencing? And like Demi, on days like today, or as she says, yes, on days especially like today, yeah, is it possible to find a longing that is a little bit more stable? Are you truly nobody till you got somebody? Is truly, is the only real belonging we have is in another person? You ain't nobody till you got somebody. I don't like that. 
On the other hand, we can make the other mistake, right? <clears throat> How many independent women we have up in here, right? I'll tell you, I am somebody without nobody, right? And so we have, we have Beyonce and Destiny's Child on the other side where it's like, hey, I'm an independent woman. I'm a survivor, right? Like, I don't need nobody. I don't even have a longing for belonging, Right? I don't have this long. I, mean, I hear the song, Sam. I hear the longing for belonging, but I'm just going to be like, shh. Because as long as I got me, I got everything. Are those our only options? Is our only option, are our only options, is our only chance to look to another individual for belonging or to silence it? is the only chance you have to find the long, to, to satisfy your longing for belonging are the only two options you have. Look to somebody or look to nobody. Are those the only options you have? For the next few moments, I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show you where you can truly find the satisfaction to your longing for belonging. And friends, I'm gonna give you a hint, Okay? It's not a somebody, and it's not a nobody. It's up here, and we're going to show you. So let's take a look at our text tonight. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 19. If you're with me, say, oh. oh. Somebody. All right, here we go. <clears throat> starting in verse 19. Starting in verse 19. Here we go. I know it was good. Thank you. Thank you. So then, these are not lyrics. These are the Bible, all right? This is the Bible. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens. Where are my citizens at? You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Next verse. From whom, or in whom, the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You guys ready to talk about the longing for belonging tonight? You guys want to know where the longing for belonging is satisfied? How many of you have a longing for belonging? <laughs> All the people not raising their hands are over here. I don't need nobody. All right, you'll see. Let me show you. Here we go. Let's look at it again. A few verses, and uh, we'll break it down. Starting in the, the first verse, 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the households of God. He mentions this thing here. He says, strangers and aliens. Do you guys know what a stranger is? Stranger danger. Stranger danger. Is that what a stranger? What's an alien? A Martian. Martian. <laughs> <laughs> You're no longer Martians. The gospel, ladies and gentlemen. Right? <laughs> you guys are no longer strangers and aliens. In ancient times, in Bible times, it was not uncommon for someone to be displaced. Okay? So you can be living in the Roman Empire, but the Roman Empire was huge. I mean, you know how big it was? I don't. How big? Huge. Okay, good. Quoted by a reliable source. So the Roman Empire was huge, right? And so people, it would not be uncommon for people to get moved to another part of the empire. So I want you to imagine, where are you from? Somebody shout out, where in the Roman Empire do you want to be from? California. <laughs> not that huge. Somewhere in the Roman Empire, right? Macedonia, great, Macedonia. All right, good. All right, so you're from, you're from Macedonia, right? And so check it. When you're in Macedonia, 
you're hanging out with Macedonians. Hey, Avandania, right? Macedonia. Hey, that's how they talk in Macedonia, eh? This is my girl. This is my girl, right? And so they hang out here, right? And in Macedonia, you do like, you play Macedonian games, right? You play Macedonian charades. I don't know. You, you, have, you, you have Macedonian meals. What else do you do in Macedonia? You, you have Macedonian clothing. Dude, look to your neighbor and say, mighty Macedonian of you, right? That's like the new on fleek, right? Yo, his outfit is on Macedonian levels. All right. So that's Macedonia. But let's say you get moved, right? For one reason or another, you get displaced. Bam, you're living in Jerusalem. What's up, Jerusalems? Jerusalemites, right? Jerusalem. Do I got Jerusalem up in here? <laughs> Jerusalem, yeah. That's why you guys are running the Olympics. All right, so you're, you're, you're here, right? And now you show up, you're in Jerusalem, and like they're playing Jerusalem games. And they're playing Jerusalem uh, music and, and they're wearing Jerusalem clothes. And, and even though, no matter how close I get to them, no matter how much I hang out with these guys, even if I'm their next door neighbor, every time I'm in their midst, I know I'm an outsider. They're walking down the street and they're like, hey, about Jerusalem, and they're like playing. And I go, man, I wish I could know what they're saying. They're laughing, right? They're playing. Man, I wish I could be a part of them. But every time I'm around them, it is a reminder to me that I don't belong. I'm an outsider. The Bible calls that a stranger. You're, not, you're living in a place that is not your home. You're an alien. We still kind of use that language with illegal alien. That word alien means an outsider. Perhaps some, some more common words we'd use today. Refugee, immigrant. You go to Portland, go to the refugee camps there, right? For people from the Middle East. They don't speak our language. They are surrounded by American culture. And even though they are living right now in the United States, even though they're living in, in, in Oregon, USA, they know when they look around, they don't belong. They know when they look around that they are outsiders. And when you look at a refugee, when you look at an immigrant, when you look at someone who doesn't belong, I'll just sit here the whole night if I have to. It's cool, but, right? When you look at someone who doesn't belong, you people, you citizens, you should see in them a picture of yourself because each and every single one of you are born aliens and strangers, okay? In the same way that our Macedonian friends don't feel comfortable in Jerusalem, that is how we feel when we look at what God is doing in the world. We'll go to Genesis, God is building a family, okay? That's like, if you want to know what Genesis is about, very simple, he starts building a family. God has some family planning going on, okay? And as he builds a family, you start to look at that and you start to look what he's about. You start to look what this family's supposed to be about. And you go, you know what? When I'm reading about this family, it kind of feels like I'm on the outside, Friends, read the Bible. When you read what this family is supposed to be at, when you read about the values and the morals and just the spirit and the culture of what God is designing in his family, you start to feel like maybe you're in the driveway here, you know? You're kind of like, you see it, you're close enough to the house. Here's our house here, right? Here's the mailbox. Driveway, right? Ta-da. You're like, I didn't know what that was, but he made it go left and now I get it, right? So here's the thing, right? Driveway. And you feel like you're on the outside. From the moment that you're old enough to talk, my son is two years old, and it's very, very clear to me that he's an alien, okay? Not a Martian. Kind of, maybe, but not that. Like, he, like he's foreign to the family of God. Like, he does things that just are not a part of the family. Like, he look, looks to me in my eye, and he goes, Daddy, shh. I'm like, hey, you are being rude. That is not how we act in the kingdom of God, you know? He goes, Daddy, go away, right? 
little Brooks, right? Stephen's little boy will come up and he has like 17 toys in his hand and he gives him this look in his eyes like, if you take one of my toys, I will kill you, right? And it's like, it's become very clear to me that my son, from the moment that he was born, he's not in. He doesn't belong in the family of God. He doesn't have what it takes to cut it in this family. And that's our story, friends. Welcome to Citizens. We don't belong. Welcome to our youth group. We're all strangers and aliens, foreign from the family of God. We're on the outside of the family. We're on the outside looking in. But look what he says here. He says, you are no longer strangers and aliens. Everybody say, no longer. See, when Paul wrote this, he wasn't writing predominantly to give you bad news. To be like, you stink, you're born a sinner. He's writing this to talk about good news. He says, you are no longer strangers and aliens. Instead, look at what you are now. You are members and you're citizens. You are citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, which tells me this. If all of us are born on the outside, if all of us are born in the driveway, <laughs> just give me a really funny image. Imagine being born in the driveway, right? What happened? I couldn't make it to the doctors. Right. Sorry. If all of us are born in the driveway and he's now saying no longer, this is what it tells me about this house. It tells me that this house has a door. It tells me, friends, that the house has a door. There's a way into the house, Okay? This is not one of those houses, like, any, anybody see Downton Abbey? Yeah, me neither. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, anybody see Poldark? Oh, yeah, definitely. I don't watch that either. Um, my wife watches those shows. She loves them. Just so weird. I hate them. Um, all right, I watch them, all right? And so what I'm learning about this culture, right, this English culture, is that if you're not born in a great house, you're out, Okay? Like America, part of our DNA is the fact that the, the peasants rose up and you can capitalism and you can be whatever you want. But if you were born in those days, unless you were like a wealthy child, you will never be in a wealthy house, right? But what I find is that God's house is not like that. God's house is not like, hey, for those of you who were born that way, great. For those of you who weren't, sorry. He says no longer. That means there was a transition here. There is a door in the house, friends. This is the gospel. Welcome to citizens. Here, like, everybody say no longer. No, longer. no, no, say no longer. no longer. This is literally what this whole place is about. The reason you're sitting here is not because we do fun games. The reason you're sitting here is not because we have to do a program. We're sitting here because at the core of who we are is this concept of no longer. The door is Jesus Christ. The way that you're allowed into the family of God is because Jesus Christ, he paid for your sins. He came to earth. He pursues you so that you can be brought into the family of God. So that you who were born on the outside looking in can have a way in. You're talking about the longing for belonging. And Jesus comes and his message is not be good. His message is not behave. His message is belong. Come in here. A lot of times I think we think of Christianity like, um, like a Costco card. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you have Costco memberships in your family? Wow, samples. How many of you like going to Costco? Okay, I like it. Tell you what, I love Costco. I love samples. Dude, I went to Costco. I'll never forget the day. I went to Costco and I was walking through and guess what they were sampling? 
I promise. Oreo cookies. And I literally, I just parked it there and I looked at her and I go, as if not every single person in this story now has already had an Oreo cookie. Hey, welcome. I want to share this brand new cookie revolutionary, okay? It's called an Oreo, right? And I just said, like, people who are, like, wanting to get the cookie, but they feel bad because it's like, I've had it. They're like, oh, yeah, tell me about it. Gluten-free, huh? Okay, like 17 cookies later. They're like, thank you for the sample. I'm going to check that out. Aisle five, gotcha. We've all had Oreos, right? And it's like, so as much as I love the samples, Costco hasn't transformed my life. I'm living my life. I just have a little Costco membership so that when I need a little something, something, I can go to Costco. Is that what Christianity's like? Is being a member of the church, is being a member of your youth group, is being a member in Christ, does that simply mean, is that the kind of member he's talking about here? You just got a little something, something on the side that's gonna make your life better? Free samples, get out of hell. Friends. Friends, Christianity is so much more radical than that. Jesus Christ has given you a new identity and a new heart. And most importantly, your standing is no longer on the outside. You're no longer on the welcome mat. You have come through Jesus Christ and you're in. Friends, there's a door. There is a no longer. Following me? Are we good? If you're good, say yeah. The house has a door. He's brought you into the house. You're now in the household of God. But look who else is in here. You're not the only one. Look who else is in here. Check it out. The house also has a family. Look what it says. You are fellow citizens with the saints. He's brought you into the door. You're no longer a stranger, but you are now fellow citizens. Everybody say, hi, fellow. What's the female version of fellow? Not fella. Fella's like plural. Of, like, it's like fellai. Hey, fellas. Fellowettes. Ladies. All right. You are now fellow citizens with the saints. You see, friends, the house has a family. May I? This is cool. We think about the house like this. Maybe not you. Maybe, maybe you grew up enough in, in our youth culture where you get it. But a lot of Americans, they view... Christianity like this, chilling on the couch. And it's not just like an like uncomfortable couch. This is like a coat, nobody else on the couch. Kick back. Look at all the privileges I have. Man, I just love the couch. I love being here. Oh, look at that. You know, I can stretch out. I can do whatever I want. It's like my house, you know, and so I can do whatever I want. And a lot of us, we just think that we're loners. A lot of, oh, oh, somebody's knocking at the door. Wait. Wait, what? You're trying to talk? Oh, you know what? Hard pass is my faith. Thank you very much. My, oh, you know what? Oh, I, I hear the whole accountability thing, but just come on now. Son. Come on. Yeah, I'll see you at church on Sunday. All right. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right. I got you here. Come on, son. This is Christian. Christianity is not an individual endeavor. There's a family. There are other people in the house, okay? Especially like my generation. You guys are younger. I'm not sure what they're going to classify you in in 50 years. I'm now hearing Gen Z. That sounds like Dragon Ball Z. I want to be Gen Z. I read an article and it was like, the next generation, Generation Z. I was like, come on! Right? Sounds like a Dragon Ball move. Do you guys even know Dragon Ball? Oh, I was going to say, of course you don't. You're Gen Z, right? Dragon Ball Z. I'm going to talk about that one day. But especially people in my generation, this is what they view the faith like. You know, I just got to find my own way. 
you know, I just want to like travel the world and like, I just want to take a backpack and go discover myself. You know, like I hear you, mom. I hear you, bro. You're trying to like give me good advice. You're trying to tell me about the faith. But at the end of the day, I got to discover my own way. I mean, that kind of sounds cool, right? Like, I would love that if it wasn't so dumb. <laughs> like, honestly, like, really, like, I, like, if I got to choose whatever I wanted to believe, and, like, if I got to just, like, make stuff up, be like, all right, you have Islam, you have Buddhism, I'm going to have the backpack religion. <laughs> the backpack religion, you just put on your backpack and you find truth. Your journey with Jesus Christ is not just you and Jesus on a backpack. Not in the back, I guess he's next to you, but you know what I mean? Like your journey with Jesus is not just your individual endeavor searching for truth and meaning in this existential world. Friends, your relationship with Christ, when he saved you, he didn't put a backpack on you. He brought you into a household and there are family members here. It's not a backpacking trip. This is a house with a family. That means there are siblings here. That means there's authority in this house. There's people in charge in the house? You're right. It's not a frat house, it's a house, okay? You guys don't even know what that means. That means there's probably messes in this house too, right? That means if there's siblings, I'm probably sitting next to other people on the couch and after a while I'm gonna start to feel like, man, get off me, man. I'm just, oh, right? I'm gonna start to probably have some fights and some bickering and some quarrels. When you're in the house, you have a family. And I'm here to tell you that the family is the very thing that God uses to grow you. Any single, not single, um, uh, single child, what do they call it? Only child, only children. Are you, I've heard of you before. Are you guys an only child? Josh has enough siblings for all of you. Any only children in here? Only child? Only one. That's cool. Two? Only child? Sam, you're my sister. No more. Three, four, five, six. Six only children. Okay. I can 1,000% guarantee that those six individuals have had a very different growing up experience than any of you in this room. Everybody with siblings are like, yup. Josh, am I lying? Am I right? Josh, how many siblings do you have? He went like this. He was... When you got to count your fingers, dude, you're in trouble. Homeboy's got nine siblings. Josh Mead, impromptu interview. State your name. Joshua Mead. How many siblings do you have? I have nine siblings. Who's your favorite? Just kidding. Don't answer that. Wait. wait don't no, answer I, that. I, don't answer that. What is it like growing up with siblings in the house? Chaotic. Chaotic? Difficult or easy? Difficult. Okay, Why? Because you have so many different personalities in one house. Okay. Do you feel like you're a better person? Can you relate better to different personalities because of all the personalities in your house? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Would your mom say you are? No. No. Oh, he's honest, I guess. Right? When you grow up with that many different people in the house, you have to be. You are, Josh. You may not realize it. You may not feel like it. But the reality is you have learned to live in harmony with other people. Even when personalities want to get great on you, even when their desires compete with yours, the reality is those people's presence in your life are making you more holy. God is using those people and every fight and all the bickering. He's using those things to make you a person who knows how to have conflict 
how to repent and apologize when you're wrong, how to confess, how to be courteous. And it's the same way in the house, friends. The reason why God's household has a family, the reason why the house has a family is because God wants to grow you. One of the biggest objections I hear to kids coming to youth group, there's people here like, that are not here right now for this reason, and they tell me this. This is the biggest objection to coming. I don't think there should be drama and fights like there are there. You guys ever heard that from a friend? Maybe there's a friend who's not here right now, and they tell you, because I don't think there should be drama and fights. And I go, oh, that's cool. Have you ever lived in a household? You know what I'm saying? Like, there shouldn't be drama and fight. Have you ever lived in a home? Like, if you live on the street and you've never had a family, okay, you can say that. But if you've ever lived in a household with siblings and parents, you're telling me that there's no drama in your household? You're telling me that you never fight with your siblings? When people tell me, I don't think there should be fights. I don't, I don't think there should be drama. That's supposed to be a place where everybody always gets along. Says who? I don't go to church anymore because I got into fights. I don't go to church anymore because the people there, they hurt my feelings. Living in a home is where you learn to fight well. Living in a home is where you learn to have conflicts, to disagree respectively, to reconcile with people when you've hurt them, to apologize, to repent. But at the end of the day, no matter how messy it gets, no matter how heated it gets, your family. Your family. How many of you have fought with your parents? How many of you got left by your parents because you fought with them? Right? You're four years old when you have your first fight. I'm lying. You're one and a half. You're 18 months when you have your first fight, right? And I look at Micah, and I'm like, Micah, you're out. I'm like, hey, buddy, I'm going to change your diaper. No, he's out of here. What? I just don't think there should be fights in my household. So you're out. <laughs> really? It's not how a family works. You see, the house has a door, and so we've come in, but when we show up, we realize that we also have a family. We have a family. If you're a Christian, you have a family. The thing that you have in common, the thing that you and I living in this house has in common, it's more than just the same address, you know? If you're a Christian, me and you, Sam Cassis, me and you have more in common than my siblings, than people who have my same blood that don't follow Jesus. The fact that me and you are in the same house, this unites us more than my last name, more than my ethnicity, more than how much money I make. You know that? Black and white, Jew and Greek, Russian and Asian, no matter what we are or how we're different, if we are in this house as a family, that is the thing that is most real about us. We're family. You can't experience true Christianity, friends, if you're not in community. You can't experience what God intends for his family to experience if you are not in the family. So for a moment, I want to ask you, who, who's sitting on the couch with you? What Christians, fellow family members, members of the household of God, who's sitting on the couch with you? Who have you let in to sit next to you? Think about it. The, fam- the, the house has a door. The house has a family. Look what else we learn about the house. Verse 20, it is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Friends, we see that the house is built on a foundation. How many of you live in a house without a foundation? (laughs) For real? Oh, okay. 
There's always one, right? Usually it's a sixth grader. That's why he threw me off. I was like, a senior's raising his hand. This could be a serious problem. You may die tonight, right? You see, friends, like every house, this house has a foundation. What you do is, when you start laying a house, you don't just start, it's not like Lincoln Logs, you know what I mean? I'm just gonna get some two by fours and just go do it. No, man, you'll die. Because when you're sleeping at night, at night the entire house will collapse on you. So what you do is this, you grab a stone. <laughs> so you grab a stone. Every house has a foundation. This is called a cornerstone, okay? And a cornerstone is very important. So I'm told, because I've never built anything a day in my life. And so you start with a cornerstone, right? And the cornerstone is this. It is the first stone in the foundation. Pete, do you have your plans on you? Hold them up. Yeah, look at that. Right on cue. Pete, picking up his illustration five months late. The cornerstone is in there, right? The foundation, you put the stone down, the very first stone, and that stone sets the trajectory for every stone. Every wall from there, the next two walls, or the, yeah, two walls, and then the next two walls, the four, they're built in reference to the first stone. Every house has a foundation. And this house is no different, friends, but look at what the foundation is. The foundation is the apostles and prophets. And who's the cornerstone? Christ Jesus. The foundation is what, the, what God has taught through the apostles, to the teaching of the prophets. And at the center of this teaching, we find Jesus Christ. What this means is that this whole Christianity thing, we didn't just make it up. You ever think that? Like when I was a kid, I remember going to bed at night and this was, I, dude, no joke. I was, I was living in New York City, Manhattan. And I remember having this first thought in my life and it panicked me, it freaked me out. Like I legitimately was like, as a little kid, scared. It's probably too smart for my own good. And I remember having this thought as I was going to bed at night, I go, what if this is made up? You guys, is that kind of over your heads? You've had that before? Okay, especially if you've grown up in church. I remember they're laying in bed as a six, seven, I had to be six, seven, or eight, one of those, because that's when I lived there. And I remember just thinking to myself, what if this is all made up? What if this is like a sham that my parents are doing? What if this is just like some system to control me? I didn't think that as an eight-year-old. Like, what if this is made up? What if you guys are being duped? What if I'm getting paid a lot of money to trick you into being moral people who submit to the system? First of all, it's not true because I don't get paid a lot of money. Second of all, it's not true because there's no system, friends. What we are teaching is built century after century on the teaching of the apostles and the prophets. This is what has been taught from the beginning over and over and over. And if someone comes along and they claim to have fresh revelation that's not built on this foundation, you run. I love when people come out and say, I just want you guys to know that I discovered some new truth, cutting edge, never before heard. And I'm like, dang, you found new truth? Oh yeah, for real? Like nobody's ever realized? Oh, it's a brand new vision, my brother. Well, that's crazy because you see, they've been at this. God has actually been building this house for centuries. And if nobody's ever stumbled upon this for centuries, I think what you are is a heresy. You run. You go away to college and somebody knocks on your door and say, hey, brother, I want to show you about this new vision I got. There's a third testament. Your first question is, why are you guys dressed the same? Your second question is, oh, really? You were there? Dude, like legitimately, that's Mormonism in a nutshell. Mormons, they say, hey, you know what? A couple hundred years ago, um, I know this sounds crazy, but 
um, there was an angel that showed up and oh, you guys forgot, there was act, Jesus actually visited America. Oh, <laughs> I know, I know. They probably, the apostles, they probably didn't know this because you know, they weren't as cool as us. But I mean, like there was an angel who showed up and there, is ne- there was actually a kingdom that spanned from the West Coast to East Coast. It's crazy. I know you can't find it in the archaeology, but you know, whatever. And um, yeah, it's Fresh Vision. And he wrote a book too. It's called The Third Testament. Our faith is not made up. Our faith is not just some cool, like, ooh, here's a cool idea. Our faith is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, what God has been teaching. This is a historic faith. And as long as we are standing on that foundation, we're good. And as soon as we step onto something with no foundation, we're in danger. We're in danger. The house, friends, has a foundation. Has a foundation. So we're in the house. It's built on a foundation. There are people in the house. These are our family members, but there's one more person in the house. Do you want to see who else is in the house? So let's review here, okay? The house has a? Good. The house has a? Family. The house has a? And what's the foundation? Yeah, he, the teach, what God has been teaching forever and the culmination of all that teaching is the message of Jesus Christ. And then look at the last part here of our house. Verse 21. In whom, speaking of Jesus, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Fourth and finally, students, the house has a builder. Everybody say builder. The house has a builder. Let's look at it. He says you are being built together. Guys, this is amazing. Like, like think about it. I've already said this was not our idea. What we are doing here, community, citizens use. I hope you get where we get the name from now, by the way. I should have mentioned that, but like citizens, you get it? We'll talk about it, okay? So what citizens use, this whole thing, this is not my idea. This is not my, this is not Courtney going, hey, I have a great idea. What if we got a bunch of teenagers together, brought them to the same room? They're not gonna even like know each other. They're all super different. But what if we like made them like a family? And I'm like, oh my gosh, that'll sell. Is that what this is? Like, did Anna say, you know what? I saw this really cool thing in cheerleading. It's called fraternity. So what if we did that with like church people? This is not our idea. There is a builder. There is an architect who is literally intentionally working in your lives, working in the church's lives. And so you imagine an architect and he has the plans, right? Pete, he has the plans and he's building. And you know what he does when he builds? He doesn't sell it. He's not building the house, friends, so he can rent it off. He's not building it so that he can put it in one of those fancy neighborhoods and make a lot of money on it. He's not building it because he wants to show up. He is building it because the builder himself is going to move in. He built the church. He has built the household. He has built the family. Why? Because this is going to be a dwelling place for God. So you got your family. 
You go, all right, we got some family upstairs. We got some family in the basement. We're chilling out. We're playing some Fortnite with my family, right? We're doing the brotherhood, the sisterhood thing. But oh, wait, there's someone else in the house. I was brought into this family, not just to be with friends, not just to belong. I was brought into the house because this is where my creator God is dwelling. Friends, the reason why God has built this house is because this is the way that he is going to accomplish his master plan. Do you want to know what God's master plan was? How many of you know God's master plan? Um, stop world peace or start world peace? Stop world hunger? Uh, if God had a whiteboard and it was like master plan for the universe, what's written on that whiteboard? Do you guys know? If somebody were to ask you, what is the entire point of it all? Why did God even make a people? Why did God show up in Genesis to make a family? Why, did, why was God not just content to hang out him, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and they're just dancing in the Trinity? Why did God even start any of this? Why are you here? Why are you here? Why are any of us here? This is God's master plan. And here's his master plan. If you don't know it, friends, read your Bible because he says it literally on every other page. It is oozing from the scriptures. It's in the very first book. It's in the very last book. And it's all in between. Here is the master plan of God. He says, my dwelling place shall be with them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. God's master plan was to create a family where he would live in their midst he would, if I can like jump right there in the middle where Sam and Keaton, like I, in the midst, midst, M-I-D-S-T, the midst, not the outside, not the periphery, not a circumference, in the midst, middle. If he can be in the middle and as he stands in the middle with his radiant, glorious presence, he says, I'm your God. You are my people. That's God's master plan. And how is he going to accomplish this? Is he going to build a physical kingdom? Is it going to be a place where billions of people can squeeze in? The way that he accomplishes his master plan, he built his house. He created a door. He gave it a foundation. And he brought in people to be a family and as you and me are brought into the household of God, as we live together as family, we can now say, God can now rightly say of us and those of us in Christ, I am dwelling in your midst. This is a dwelling place for God by the spirit. I'm dwelling in your midst. I am your God. You are my people. The house is where God accomplishes his master plan. This is the house. This is the house, friends. This is the dwelling place of God. Side note, this is why the house satisfies your longing for belonging. You know that? Like when people say, oh, you really want to belong? You want that longing for belonging? Go to church. You'll meet great people. Go to church. They're just good people. Go find yourself a nice Christian man with morals. All the dudes are like nervous chuckling. They're like, I have morals. <laughs> the reason why this place satisfies our longing for belonging is not because our friends are there. It's because the creator is here. 
What makes citizens special? What makes the church, capital C, special? What makes this a place that will satisfy your longing for belonging is the fact that the creator is here and you will not know belonging unless your heart is in relationship with the creator. Students, no sports team, no extracurricular activity, no club, no social media. Nothing will touch the longing to belong in your heart. But you find it in the household of God. You find it among his family. You find it when the builder himself makes his dwelling place in the midst of you. And so if this is the household, students, you only have one thing to do. Come in. Come in. Come in. Come in. Like, what are you waiting for? Like, every single one of us is born on the outside. And when you hear this news, this is not simply one of many religions where you go, oh, that's nice. I'm glad you guys found some belonging. I'm over here. No, there's only two options. Are you in or are you out? Well, I've been coming to Citizens for several weeks now, and I just, I think it's pretty cool. I'm learning a lot, but thank you very much. No, friends, hear our message. We are a kingdom-declaring message, a kingdom-declaring community. And what we're proclaiming to you is the reality that because of what Jesus has done on the cross, by dying in your place, by giving you a new identity, he's allowed you to come in. And so perhaps you're here tonight, and you go, man, I, I mean, I've been to Citizens, I've been to church, but like, I know that in my heart, I'm not in. I know that in my heart, I have yet to come through Jesus Christ. I have yet to look him in the eyes and to confess my sins and to say, you know, I've been living for me, but I want to live for you and I can't do anything on my own. Please save me. Perhaps there's some of you this weekend when you go to camp and you're in your cabins and for the first time, you're confessing your sins to people and you're admitting that you're on the outside. Because that's a big deal for teenagers, right? Teenagers, we like to be like, no, dude, I'm in. I'm so in. Look at me. I was born in. And when you're honest, when you play games that help you not care about what you look, when you give up on trying to impress people and you take an honest look in the mirror and you look at your own sins and you look at your own addictions and you look at how messed up you are, you say, yeah, I'm honest. I'm on the outside. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. When I look at the family of God, I don't belong. When I look at the family of God, I don't make the cut. If it's not for mercy, I'm hopeless. Perhaps you'll do that for the first time this weekend at camp. And when you do that, there's a supernatural work. Like God, by his spirit, literally starts to work inside of you and he births you and he gives you a new heart and new desires and you're gonna wanna do things that you've never wanted to do before and oh my gosh, I actually wanna go to church and oh my gosh, I wanna read my Bible and I want to know the living God. And you know why? Because you've come in to the family of God. We're going to start to respond here. Come in. Come in. And perhaps you're here. Dude, I'm looking at many of you, and many of you are kind of doing this like, yeah, that's good, I get it. Because you're already a Christian. And maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you've come into the household of God, but you've kind of never left right here. I know many of you, you've come in, you've gotten baptized, and you said, yes, thank you, Jesus, I love you. But you've yet to embrace his family. There's many of you that are Christians here and you've never moved beyond the foyer. And you know what my message to you is? Come in. Come in. 
Move even further and come to the kitchen, right? Like, come sit at the table. Come have fellowship with us. Come share in the faith. Let's have a common experience. Maybe this weekend at camp, maybe some of you Christians, maybe you come in further. Maybe for the first time, you allow somebody to sit next to you at the table. Maybe for the first time, you'll open up to someone and have a conversation, a real conversation, not about sports, not about the weather, but about what's going on in here. Come in. Come in. Father, I thank you, Lord, for for the gospel. God, I thank you that what we're doing here is not the work of Sam Cassis. It's not the work of Courtney Huskison. Lord, we're not trying to build a club. You are building a household of your family. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to grow your church. Father, I pray that you would continue to reveal the gospel to these students' hearts, Lord. That even on days like this, on Valentine's Day, Lord, as they're looking around for, for the, to satisfy the longing to belong, I pray that they would realize that you've given them everything they need because they now belong in the family of God. Lord, I pray that this truth would permeate their entire life. And that, Lord, whatever their status is, whatever their relationship status is, whatever their career status is, they would say, Though I, whether I live or whether I die, I've satisfied my longing to belong because I've come into the house through Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.